Today is June 12th. Andrew McCutcheon is the 291st player to achieve 2,000 hits in the show. And he got to do it at home in Pittsburgh. Oh, and we won the series. You're listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Yins guys, thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. And once again, on this Monday off for the Pirates, you will have just me, Josh. How you guys doing? Let's cut the music. There's no small talk. <laughs> so first things first. Still in the sunglasses. If you're uh, if you're not watching on the YouTube, uh, that is to be said. Um, my video lights are still just really bright. Um, still kind of getting used to everything. Uh, if you did not listen Friday, I had some eye surgery Thursday, and so it's got me a little I don't know sensitive to light. I guess is all you can say. Hey guys, Kutch gets the two thousandth hit. In the first at-bat of the game today, this is what we were waiting for all weekend. All homestand, really. And so we're very excited to talk about Andrew McCutcheon today and, and some of the things that, I mean, that you would talk about when somebody does something like this. This is a big deal. And I think there are some people who don't think it's a big deal, and that's fine. Um, I'll disagree. I think it's a big deal. I think any milestone that you have in your major league career is a big deal. I don't think they would call it a milestone if it wasn't something that you're going to look back on and say, well, I got to that. I think if you were, if you just missed something like even a thousand hits, you would say, you know, oh, you almost had a thousand hits in the show. But either way, looking back, if you're somebody who had a thousand hits in a career, like you're going to, you're going to enjoy looking back and saying, Dude, I had 1,000 hits in Major League Baseball, and that's really cool. For someone to get to 2,000, I mean, obviously, it's double. <laughs> what else you want me to say? Um, it's incredible. And the funny thing is, is when you bring it up, the conversation immediately, uh, and I don't know if they're naysayers or just... Uh, what do you negative name? I don't know. You know, whatever you want to call them. If it's just the haters in general, or even people who like McCutcheon, but maybe don't like celebrating a 2000th hit either way, their, their argument immediately goes to that doesn't put you in the hall of fame. That puts you in the hall of very good. Uh, well, I, I think anyone, if you ask any of these young players that are on the pirates right now, Boy, they would really take being in the Hall of Very Good. They would really embrace the fact that they would get to look back on their career and knowing that they're still in the game at 36 years old and say that people are looking to them as very good. As I won an MVP, I got 2,000 hits, I stayed in the game for this amount of time. Heck yeah, every one of them would take that and be excited about it. 
So I don't think that the conversation about 2000 means that we have to poo-poo on it and say, but it doesn't put him in the Hall of Fame. He's going to be in the Pirates Hall of Fame and we're Pirates fans. Is that is he not? Is he not in the Pirates Hall of Fame? Is he not one? I mean, he's the first guy to hit 2,000 hits since what, Stargell? Am I mad already? I'm not mad, but am I excited already? We're, we're what, five minutes in, and I'm excited. I haven't even brought up anything except for McCutcheon. I'm going to go more into this McCutcheon thing, too. I've got some numbers, obviously. I like to look up some numbers, and my kids have been gone since uh, Wednesday night, and so I've had time to look stuff up. That's great. <laughs> uh, they'll be home uh, within the next couple days, so that'll be good. But in the meantime... I can look up stats a little easier. <laughs> Spend some time on it. Um, take the series from the Mets. It's a great thing. Uh, I guess I should say before I really get going here that um, Jake had intentions of being here, uh, was asked to to come in and work until close tonight. And so, you know, we consider all of these things when we say, like, well, he's now in in central time zone. And so it's it's the idea of me sitting here saying, okay, am I willing to? He's not going to get home till after eleven my time. That means I'm, you know, we're recording a show that's however long we go here, forty minutes to sixty minutes somewhere in there. And then when we're done, uh, I'm going to edit, and then I've got to get everything. Um, you get the idea. You get the idea. Everything uploaded and all that stuff, and then I work in the morning. So. You know, I, I had a couple, um, I, I reached out to a couple people, um, and then ultimately just said, uh, I had some things I had to do today. I wasn't sure what time I was going to record. Um, and then it rained, which kind of messed the whole thing up. And had I even thought about that, maybe I'd have changed my mind either way. Um, here we are and Jake's not here, but that's okay. Um, also, uh, well, let, let's, so let's get back to where I was. We're going to talk about the Mets series just a little bit briefly. We've got some cut stuff. We've got some roster stuff on some conversations that, um, that were had on that. And, uh, so we'll talk about a, a couple different players, uh, and then we'll look forward to the Cubs series. Um, so let's kick this thing off actually by starting on a couple of, uh, Twitter, Twitter conversations, <laughs> Because I had a little bit of fun today, and it looks like it's um, either either made some people mad or maybe jokingly mad. Um, but I had tweeted that Andy Rodriguez will be preparing for the Cubs on Tuesday. Um, that is 100% true. <laughs> because while the Pirates are going to Chicago to play the Cubs, uh, Indianapolis is also heading to Iowa to play the Cubs. And so I thought I'd have a little bit of fun with that, and it, it caught some steam. So um, if you were if you were one that responded to that, or or even just clicked on it and and was annoyed by me, uh, thanks. <laughs> I had a I had a little bit of fun with that one. Um, but also, uh, you know, this is just my little my little Twitter time to talk here. Um, there was a couple, and I'm I'm trying to think of of where we were at. I know uh, Jim Rosati, you were in you were in on this. So you were the one that made the suggestion, um, Captain Chris. I think you said you knew a guy, basically saying, um, I know Yark was involved in this stuff, but basically it was uh, that I needed to have um, I needed to have an eye patch for this podcast, and I will tell you. 
that I, my daughter has one somewhere in this house, but I could not find it. I do not know where it is. So we are sans eye patch today. Um, but I was going to do it just to say I was going to do it. I was going to kick the thing off with the eye patch. Um, and it, it didn't happen. So maybe it'll still happen at some point just as a, as a joke. So let's get into the Mets series. Uh, big time win on Friday. And, uh, you know, I catch some flack every once in a while when I make the comment that the Pirates really need to save some runs for the rest of the series. They score 14 on Friday night, and then they only score three the rest of the weekend. This is an old baseball thing. Save some runs for tomorrow. It's It can't be true. There's no way, but it's so funny how often this sort of thing happens when you have this offensive explosion in one night uh, and then you go into the next day and it's completely flat. And that's exactly what happened to the Pirates. Now, I kind of hoped that after they let the Mets score a little bit at the end of the game, it would mean the same thing for them. Well, technically, they scored five on Saturday, but they ran out at that point and only scored one on Sunday in the in the pitching duel between Mitch Keller and Cookie Carrasco, which um, a, a quickly paced Sunday that that just didn't feel like it with with Andrew McCutcheon getting number two thousand finally and um, you know just just crazy no, number one thousand nine hundred ninety nine on Friday night so fourteen to seven. 5-1 loss on Saturday, 2-1 to one win. Mitch Kell, actually, if we go all the way back, I mean, Rich Hill, seven innings, two runs, seven hits, six strikeouts, pitched a great game on Friday night. Um, Zestrizny kind of opened that thing up. For my money, I leave Zestrizny in right there. I let him finish that game. He already had, uh, he only had one out to go. Um, we had a lot of runs left that we could have given up. Uh, I would have left him in there. And then maybe if it got to the point where Bednar needed to save the game, bring him in. But at the point that you bring him in, it's just not... I've heard the needed work. He could have went out there and thrown one pitch. That's not work. Um, so I'm not sure that like that that's necessarily the thing. Because if he throws one pitch and he gets a pop-up to the infield or a ground out or whatever it, it is, um, that's not enough to say, oh, he got some work in. Like that's... That, that's not a thing. And so for me, it's bringing a closer in to a game that's not a safe situation. And, and I would say a lot of people are like, hey, you either get the outs or you don't. It doesn't matter. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I really do. But I also think that if you are if you are used to pitching in the moment, in the high leverage moment, and there's a lot of adrenaline and there's a lot of uh, a lot on the line, so to speak. For a closer, you're you're so used to that that when you go outside of that, it feels so much less that it is hard to ramp it up and to get yourself psyched up. I don't know if I guess I shouldn't say I, the way that I approach that. The way that I approach saying that means that that's always the case, and I don't really think that has to be always the case either. But for the most part, we see it with a lot of closers that they have trouble when the adrenaline or when the moment 
is not there, when it's not tense because they're so accustomed to it. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case with all of them. And I wouldn't even go in there to say that that's necessarily the case with Bednar. But in this case, it seemed like maybe it was. The The game could have been ended. Um, Kanan Smith and Jigba, you know, whether the lights or, or, or whatever it was, obviously did not see it. I, I wouldn't call that a poor play on his part. Uh, he didn't just whiff on a fly ball that he was looking. Something happened. He missed, you know, he lost the ball somewhere. Um, it's unfortunate. And, I mean, sure, it goes down as a poor play. But I, I think you understand what I'm, you know, what I'm saying. You give people a pass sometimes. You lose something in the sun. You lose something in the lights. Um, it's an unfortunate thing. It happened. But it's not like the guy can't catch. It's not like he's just reaching out there and not getting anything. Uh <laughs> But either way, the game could have ended there. However, that was a hard hit ball, so you don't really want to, uh, you know, take that and uh, and and you know go from there. But Zestrizny ends up getting three runs tacked to him, but none of them earned. Bednar's both were earned. Um, Zestrizny also, or, I'm sorry. Uh, Bednar also ended up throwing 20 pitches there to get one out. There was some conversation about days rest and how it doesn't matter if they get extra days rest. It doesn't matter if they throw, I don't know, X amount of days. The thing is, is I, I believe I even looked it up. Like David Bednar with six days rest, six plus days rest is not very good. So that would be the argument for the other side is when Bednar, like cause some people have gone out and said, well, I don't mind it because the game wasn't on the line and usually after Bednar has a lot of days off, he he kind of pitches poorly. Um, and so they kind of liked it, knock, you know, so to speak, knock some rust off. And it's actually not a bad, it's not a bad take because when you look up the numbers, I did that night, you look up the numbers and when Bednar has six plus days rest, he does not have great numbers. Um, even with five days rest, they're significantly better. So there is some truth to that. Uh, he does like momentum. He does like to be pitching more often. Uh, still, I say that I would have kept a hold of him maybe um, until that was a save situation. But either way, he turns around, throws in the game on Sunday. Very effective. He did give up uh, the one hit, but he gets the strikeout. He gets the save. And save number 14 for Bednar. So ultimately, it's a good discussion to have. I, I thought it was interesting to see. Friday night, the big story was uh, Key Brian Hayes with the 5 for 5 day. A couple doubles, four RBIs. Kind of capped off a, a, an eight-game hit streak for him. I'm going to uh, take a drink real quick. Caps off an eight-game hit streak for, for Key Brian Hayes. Uh, he would go hitless on Saturday, and he grabbed one hit. On Sunday, all of the things have been written about Key Brian Hayes and how he came back and went from a 216 to a 266 or whatever it was. I think right now it's sitting at 261. Uh, double check that real quick. 261 right now. This is what we've been waiting for. It was it was one little adjustment. We saw all the things that uh, that were leading up to this. 
I was I was on record saying Key Brian Hayes is going to be fine. I was also on record saying I'll wait until I see results, uh, but I'm done following up. Immediately had an eight-game hitting streak following that. So, yeah, I think that now Key Brian Hayes can just calm down and not have to worry about uh, digging a hole. I think he's sitting, you know, with him sitting around 260 on base over 300 again. And, you know, still not, you know, it's not like he's an elite hitter. It's not like he's great. But with that defense and my goodness, the play he made against fam today on Sunday, if you guys didn't see that, go check it out. The play that he made, it's just a play that he doesn't make it look so hard. But so many things go into that play, whether it's going to hit the base, whether he's going to trip over the base, throwing it on the run. Fam is not slow. Just an incredible play. There was another play earlier in the game where he cut off Tukapita, and when by the time he threw the ball, he was almost to second base. Now, he's shifted a little bit, obviously. But the range that that he can display, and then the next, the very next ball goes over and he backhands it. He's just incredible, and for him to have any offensive production, if he sits around two sixty, if he just relaxes and settles in and and hits around two sixty, gets some impactful hits, maybe has some runs the way he did right there. He's a super valuable player. Well worth his contract. Very happy for Key Brian to to have that little run and kind of get his numbers kind of equalized a little bit and now he can he can work on getting those up a little or, you know, whatever whatever ends up happening. But a good run for him and and Friday really capping it off on the 5 for 5 day. So we talked about Rich Hill's start, and then you go to the next day, six and a third, two runs, two walks, five Ks, four hits for Oviedo. He does get the loss because the Pirates only get one run in this game. Uh, Dowry Moretta, for the first time since nobody even remembers, uh, allowed uh, a base runner, uh, an inherited runner to score. Kind of had a rough outing there, still kept his ERA under two. And then just to wrap up on his, throws a great eighth inning with a strikeout today, or on Sunday, excuse me. Um, Holderman gives up the homer, Perdomo a run, but but three strikeouts. So Perdomo's still looking good in his in his limited time right now. But Oviedo, I thought, had a really good start. I, I felt like a lot of his stuff looked looked good. It seemed like that. I mean, that's a, that's a good start to get yourself. Six and a third, two runs. It's a quality start. He's back onto that. But here we are, you know, three straight quality starts again because today, my goodness, um, my throat is so dry today. Today, Mitch Keller has the bounce back start that we've been waiting on. After three rough starts, two of them kind of getting away with it and kind of, uh, you know, just being kind of a rough start. The last start being the really bad start. Uh, seven innings, just two hits, one run on a solo homer, and really was a great pitch and a, and a great job by McNeil just turning on it. I mean, you get the bat head through there. Uh, there's not many places it can go other than in the seats the way that he did. Seven strikeouts. He did have two walks, but it seemed like 
he was in control for most of the game and it it felt like there were times where you know there were some there were some hard hits that I was maybe thinking that it wasn't there but the body of work as he went through it um I think it was just I think it was mostly just me just thinking you know I've watched these last three starts and I, I I'm not sure it's I'm not sure it's there maybe a lack of confidence on my part but either way, another great start for Mitch Keller. He gets the win. That's now eight wins. Every win that he gets is more than anybody had last year. So if you care about wins, then that's there. But another great start. Moretta good, Bednar good. We've already talked about that. So Mitch Keller, the bounce back start from Mitch Keller was well needed and what a day to do it. What a day to do it. In this game, in the first inning, was McCutcheon's 2,000th hit. I'm trying to think of, uh, about uh, if I want to go there. You know what? No, let's 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 make a stop um, in this game before we get there. Let's take a stop to Jack Sawinski. Um, Jack Sawinski homered in the fourth inning in this game, down one nothing. And you know we all make the comment: Jack Sawinski hits a home run in an important moment. The thing is, is that we've all been, you know, we've all seen everybody talking about how he is getting his hits in garbage time or his home runs rather in garbage time, either, either like Friday night, he had a home run. It was 13 to two. He had a home run to make it 14 to two. He's hit home runs off of position players. I think, is it, is it two this year or one last year, one this year, whatever it is. Um, off position players. And so, hey, first off, if you're going to throw a position player out there, we should be banging them. I mean, just absolutely destroying them. Uh, yeah, we, we all know how I feel about position players being out there. But Sawinski's home run in the fourth inning today um, ties the game. We end up taking the lead later that inning. And that was all the scoring was done in the fourth inning, both the Mets in the top of the fourth Pirates, their two runs came in the bottom of the fourth, and that was it. But his home run, so let's let's look at um, something. Win probability added. You got your percentages. Okay, Pirates have a 45% chance to win this game. I think it was 44 point something chance to win this game right before Sawinski homered. And after he homered, it was somewhere in the 50-something. Either way, it was a 13.8 increase in win probability on that home run. And it was the home run to tie it. His win probability added on the home run Friday night was 0.0. The Pirates already had a 100% probability to win the game. So there was no, uh, there was nothing there. However, both of those events occurred in what would be considered as low leverage. So when we when we make our comments about high leverage situations and how he does, that didn't impact it. That was still a low leverage situation. It was the fourth inning. There was nobody on. There was nobody out. Um, I believe the leverage. I I tried to look it up. I tried to look up some of these uh, something similar. Baseball Reference obviously doesn't get their data until the next day. So this morning, Monday morning, as you're listening to this. Still coughing a bit, so you on the video can see me as I mute in the audio. You're just hearing these 
gaps of silence as I mute to cough. Uh, but I, I tried to look up some of these uh, similar situations uh, before getting on here today. Win probability added might be something that can uh, can maybe quantify what some of the things Jack Swinski has done. Um, high leverage is something that's you know a little bit different, but all of these things together are statistics. They're not perfect. Um, they are statistics that can kind of help paint pictures of players. I mean. Jack Swinski's right now coming into today was a 1.5 uh, baseball reference war player coming into today with an OPS plus of over 120, a solid player, but his win probability added was at negative uh, 0.1. Now, so that's almost like right there, right? And certainly after today, um, he had the. He had a base hit that was a 6% increase. He had the home run that was a 13% increase. So he's moved that up at this point. But either way, um, we've all seen the high leverage situation and, and how he's how he's not doing great there. April 11th was the last time that Sawinski tied the game with a home run. It was off of Christian Javier in the second inning with Castro on first. We were down 2 nothing. He had a home run to tie the game. It was a it was a low leverage situation. So even though it was very important, like the one today, it doesn't get logged as high leverage. A twenty point shift on on the second inning home run off Christian Javier. Today's was thirteen point eight. So you know when you look at things like that, like they're still impactful. April third in Boston, down five to four in the, just the third inning. Jack singled in Key Bryan to tie the game. It was considered high leverage, even though it only added 11% to the win probability. So both of these two hits, which were in low leverage, actually added more probability to win the game in the second and the fourth inning with the home run than the single that drove in Key Brian Hayes and moved another runner to third. In that case, it still only added 11% to the win probability. Maybe it had to do with the outs or, or, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. There's so many things that go into these, but the, the idea is that there are more than one number to look at. Like, obviously it's easy to, to look at the numbers that he's got with on base with OPS and OPS plus and weighted runs created plus and war and all these things and say, Jack Swinski's possibly our best player. But then you look at the, the, the reason that the criticism is so loud about high leverage situations is because he can't be your best player if he's not coming through in the best moments. I mean, look at Brian Reynolds right now with runners in scoring position is hitting well over 300. And so, like, that's maybe something to hang on to, even though maybe we're thinking Brian Reynolds isn't even playing as well as he should be. But he's hitting well with runners in scoring position. There's a lot of things that go into that go into uh, the numbers and statistics for players, and Jack Swinski is not immune to this, but there are still opportunities for meaningless production and meaningful production regardless of the leverage of the situation. Um, the home run Friday night is production, and it's going to go on your stats, and it's a stat pad and whatever you want to call it. It's meaningless production, and that's the criticism. Uh, and it's and it's fair. It really shouldn't be a criticism as much as it is a, yeah, but 
You know what I'm saying? He's still doing it, but what are you doing meaningful? Because you want to see that too. And we got to see that today. That's meaningful production. And I, and I had mentioned two other ones um, that were also meaningful productions. And those are just the ones I ran across when I saw when he tied the game with something. Those do not include anything where he took the lead, anything where he got it to a one-run game. Um, in a sense, that's something also that is like, oh, well, he got us back in it. That's meaningful production. Um, a, a big shift in win probability sometimes is something you can look at to say, this is good. This is good. And so I think with Jack, um, maybe that's something we should be looking at as well is is the shift in win probability. High leverage a lot of times uh, for, for Sawinski, unfortunately for Sawinski, is going to come with them bringing in a left-handed pitcher. And uh, like many left-handed pitchers who are very good players, you're up against the wall because the guys they bring in are not j- – it's, it, it's less – I'm sorry, it's not less. It's equal to do with you struggling with lefties and the fact that they're bringing in a lefty who's elite against lefties. So, you know what I mean? You got a little double-edged sword there, and basically Jack-Jack's going to have a hard time, uh, like many lefties. Uh, so I guess all that to say, I'm in the middle of the road this. I, I, I mean, I want to see meaningful production from Jack Sawinski like we saw today. Still a low-leverage situation, however. Uh, I, I, I care about high-leverage situations, but I also care about the idea that it's meaningful production not only production when there's a huge lead or a huge deficit. And he's showing that he does have meaningful production. Those high leverage situations are a different story. That's my thoughts on Jack Swinski. It's a great moment for him today. So do we get into Kutch now? I think we do. I think we get into McCutcheon. Uh, He's the man. 2,000 hits. I'm going to give him another one. Just because... He's McCutcheon, and I can take a drink. Almost sounds like somebody laughs at the end of our of our clap clip. It's kind of funny. Anyway, two thousand hits. Uh, is it a big deal? Is it a you know? I've already made a, I've already made my statement about it being a big deal. But while we're on it, let's go ahead and have the discussion. What does it mean for a career? First off, I believe he's not done. I believe there's a couple more numbers that are about to happen. And we can talk about 400 doubles. We can talk about five more home runs, and he gets 300 home runs. It's a big deal. He's already gotten over 1,000 RBIs. He's already hit 200 stolen bases. He's already walked 1,000 times. Excuse me, walked 1,000 times. Oh, I just rubbed my eye. I'm not supposed to do that. I wasn't even thinking. Some of these numbers are, they're good. That Some of these numbers are great. That doesn't mean they're Hall of Fame numbers, right? That means they're great numbers. But when you start looking at the at the totality of it, and if, if you're looking online, I do have a, or if you're online, if you're looking on YouTube, I do have a little graph here to bring up. Uh, this is a list of some company that he has an opportunity to be in, and I'll read it off here. He's now played 1,952 games. That's the name. That's the number. That's when he got to 2,000 hits. His 1,952nd game, he got his 200. Two, I'm sorry, 2,000th hit. And there are some others 
who've gotten to this number prior to 2,000 games. So I have a list here. It is in 2,000 games or less, this is the list of players who've, who have 2,000 hits, at least, I'm going to say, 295 home runs, 399 doubles, and 200 stolen bases. So the, the, the card on YouTube, you're going to see 300 homers, 400 doubles. Uh, Kutch is just missing those right now. So he has essentially uh, just a little bit less than 50 games to get five home runs and one double, and he's on this list as well. And this list is Alex Rodriguez, Carlos Beltran, Larry Walker, Alfonso Soriano, Barry Bonds, and Andrew McCutcheon if he can get there. And even if he doesn't, he's already on this list for the numbers that he has because nobody else is... uh, Like, McCutcheon is the lowest uh, common denominator here. Nobody else is touching this. He's already in this uh, with the numbers that he has, the 399 and the 295. Um, If you add in 1,000 walks, only two remain, and that's Bonds and McCutcheon. And Bonds, by the way, reached his 2,000th hit in game 1,985. So about 30 more games than it took Andrew McCutcheon. And the interesting thing is with both of those guys is the fact that they're all over, or they're each over 1,000 walks, where the other four names on this list are all under. Now, they're all in the... I believe I have to get a little closer here because my eyes. Alfonso Soriano only had 496 walks <laughs> in his in his 1,975 games, which is all that he played. Larry Walker never got to 2,000 games either, 1,988. Um, by the way, Larry Walker is in the Hall of Fame. Now, granted, his 471 doubles will be 71 more than than what McCutcheon will have. He also had 383 home runs, which is 83 than McCutcheon will have at this point, around, and more steals, less walks. So, yes, there are, there are numbers that are higher. He's still in this category, but he's close, and he's right there with, with some of these guys. Now, Beltron and Alex Rodriguez and Barry Bonds played many more games after 2000, and so they've got higher numbers in a lot of these categories. So, I think um, if I put in a if I put in a Ludens, I might be able to keep my mouth watered just enough, um, so hopefully it doesn't mess too much up. We're going to give it a shot. So, this is good company to be in. I'm, I'm, I'm going a little too slow here. I'm going a little too slow. I need to keep moving. I understand what we're saying here. But this is good company to be in. These are some big numbers. You start messing with some of these numbers. I'm trying to get to my... I have a bunch of tabs open here. In 1,952 games, if I even just move this to 300 doubles and 200 homers and 100 stolen bases, there's nine guys, including Carl Yastrzemski, Bernie Williams, Gary Sheffield, Babe Ruth, Chipper Jones, Ricky Henderson, Jeff Bagwell, Bobby Abreu. It's ridiculous. 
And if I take this into, uh, I believe I went to, yeah, this is just this is just the page that I have showing that McCutcheon and Bonds stand alone uh, with the numbers that they have. When I move this to 1,952 games, where McCutcheon is now, with at least 2,000 hits, 370 doubles, 260 home runs, 1,000 walks, and 150 steals. And I stopped at 150, but technically that's just because that's like the lowest I could go. But Bagwell had 196 steals. But we're talking in, in, in just 1,952 games. Remember that Bonds hasn't hit 2,000 hits at this point in his career. Not until 1985. That's not a year. That's his number of games. But Jeff Bagwell uh, in the Hall of Fame. And, the, and it's just these two. Now, Jeff Bagwell's numbers are better. He's got 50 more doubles. He's got a, oh, 120 more home runs, right? 200 more walks. Not quite as many steals, but... The idea is that like when you start to say it's him and this guy, he's under that guy, but it is just him and this guy. I don't know what that does for a Hall of Fame case, and I'm not sitting here trying to make a Hall of Fame case. I'm really not. That's not my intent here. My intent is to say that this is a very special player. Hall of Fame or not, if you tell me that he is in the Hall of Great Players of their generation then, you know, that's, like I said, that's great. That's a great place to be. And it's not, by any stretch of the imagination, a negative thing to say. And if you're trying to say it as a negative thing to say he's not a Hall of Famer, I'm not really sure, I'm not really sure where you're going with this. Like, there's, there's a lot of great players who don't make the Hall of Fame. You talk to some people and, you know, Pirate fans alone are saying... I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Jake said he had a conversation with somebody the other day when he was at a baseball game, and he was like, I don't know if it puts him in the Hall of Fame. And the guy said, what? He's a guaranteed Hall of Famer. Certainly don't think he's guaranteed, but just the idea that, like, that's one of the tests. Is he one of the best? Yeah, he is. He's one of the best. Certainly one of the best in his generation. Certainly one of the best since he's come into the league. Uh, the the rankings that he's at since he came into the league are all high. Since 2009, he came up in June 2009, but since the beginning of 2009, he's third in hits, first in runs, fifth in doubles, 15th in triples, 16th in homers, seventh in RBIs, 14th in stolen bases, third in walks, fourth in total bases. He's a rare talent. He's a rare talent. You throw in the 49 triples, if he can get to 50 triples, you're still, you, you keep going further and further away. You keep adding or subtracting guys and and uh, not adding, just subtracting guys. And when you look at the totality of what he's been able to do here, this is something that he's. we're not just celebrating because he's a great pirate, but this is a great player and and certainly one of the best. I mean, he was the face of baseball for two or three years. So, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and maybe that's uh, maybe that's a slightly uh, I'm okay with it if if somebody would tell me like, well, that's because you're a Pirates fan. That's fair <laughs> because us Pirates fans, that's what we think. So, 
Great job, Kutch. This is something that's that's incredibly special. I know, like, there's some some uh, some video of him in the clubhouse. He's not a get in the middle of the room and speak kind of guy, and you can definitely tell that in the video. Um, admits that he thought he'd have a thousand a long time ago. I wonder if that's a stab at the fact that he <laughs> that he just gets walked too much. The guy's not chasing. He'll take his walks. He'll do what he can to win. Um, he could have been chasing to try to maybe get a, a blue pit or something um, going outside the zone, and, and he just didn't do that. And so this is a big thing. This is a big thing, and I don't want to undersell it. Not sure that it puts him in Cooperstown, but I got to tell you, it puts him in the conversation without question. Puts him in the conversation. Couple more conversations here. Caden Smith and Jigba, I talked about him missing the ball. We've had the conversation about, excuse me, we've had the conversation about why was he brought up if he's not going to play? And that's a fair question. And there's a lot of things that, first and foremost, uh, for me, we have 12 pitchers on the pitching staff right now. Why aren't we bringing up a pitcher instead of Kanan Smith? Why aren't we sending Matthias down and keeping Smith up, uh, Smith and Jigba? But one of the things that uh, one of the things that I see is is you know the people saying if if he's not going to play, how's he going to get better? How's he going to get his you know how's he going to get his feet out under him and and all that stuff? I'm starting to wonder if they just see CSN as a part time player anyway. And if that's the case, then he's got to get his bearings as a part-time player. You're not taking at bats away from Connor Joe right now, from uh, certainly not Sawinski or Reynolds. Uh, when Bay's in center field, he's going to be there in center field. Uh, Palacios really hasn't been that bad in his time up. So getting CSN up there for a little while, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the goal is for me, it would be a pitcher for me. I'd, I'd get that 13th pitcher up there. The problem with that is who is that going to be? Dwayne Underwood. There's room on the 40, man. They're going to move Dwayne Underwood up. They absolutely could. Here's my question to you, Cody Bolton. We've saw him struggle at the major league level. He's not done yet. He's got work to do. You don't bring him up and put him in there. We've already brought up Perdomo with Perdomo already there. Johan Ramirez is already there. Ortiz is already there. We've got some injuries. You start looking at the 40-man, and there's there's not much left. We talked about Cody Bolton. Mike Burroughs has been injured. Yuri De Los Santos was up for a day, but really, if you look at the numbers of what he's done so far in AAA this year, he's not having a lot of success right now either. So we talk about De Los Santos. We talk about Cody, Cody Bolton. You talk about Eli uh, Villabos, Villabos. I, I'm actually, I need to look that up. I'm not sure how you say his name. His numbers haven't been favorable. He's on the 40-man. Colin Selby might be uh, an interesting one. He's been injured. So I go back to Yuri De Los Santos, Cody Bolton. Those are the guys that I feel like we would say bring those guys up. Would you rather bring those guys up and see them kind of struggle at the major league level? Or would you like to see them add somebody else like Dwayne Underwood and see him struggle? At least when it's all done, we can say peace out, man. 
Quinn Priester, in my opinion, needs to come up when he's ready to be a starter. Uh, Caleb Smith's a left-hander. It's That's pointless. Cam Aldred uh, has been actually starting a lot of games and giving him three, four innings. And he's also left-handed. We've already got Hernandez, Perdomo, and Zestrizny up right now. So maybe if Zestrizny goes down, one of those guys can get an opportunity. Uh, Cam Aldred actually wouldn't be a terrible idea. I just don't want to see Bolton come up and struggle. We're not going to do Chase DeYoung again. Um, I'm thinking Carmen Majinski right now. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this. 328. 18 games. He's got 24 innings. 14 runs, but only 9 earned and just a couple home runs. Carmen Majinski is a possibility. He would have to be added to the 40-man as well. He's only 24 years old. If they believe that if they believe that he's not ready, I don't want to see him come up. So could it be Underwood again? Yeah, actually, it could be. Could it be this um, uh, Villalobos? Yeah, it could be. And I don't know if he's going to be good or not, but it, it absolutely could be. But they need to have 13 pitchers. For situations like Friday night, instead of Bednar, they could have put another arm in there. But I don't know if it's CSN that goes down or not. But it's just something to be think of, to be thinking about of of what they think of CSN and what they think he might be on this team is a part time player. I don't see him as a starter. Cal Mitchell's been playing better than him, so why not Cal Mitchell? Because they probably want Cal Mitchell to continue to play. So I think that's an interesting argument about CSN. I I still think that the twofold there we should have a pitcher up. But also, I wonder if this is their plan for Kanan Smith and Jigba is to be a part-time player. Tuesday, we go in against the Cubbies. Let's wrap this thing up. They are 28-37 and 37 and in fourth place in the division. They just lost a big game to the Giants uh, by a lot. Double-digit runs by the Giants. But they took the series from the Giants. Before that, they were swept by the Angels. They're 4-6 and six in their last 10. Um, I actually don't know the probables. They were not listed when I clicked on them before I hit record, so I don't feel like speculating. We're going to see Monday off. I'm sure we'll get news on that on Monday, which is today, if you're listening or if you're listening on Tuesday. Uh, you probably heard on Monday. And and the A's just swept the Brewers. Pirates are in first place all by themselves. Enjoy that on another Monday, uh, as we always do. Um I assume Jake will be back on Thursday or Friday morning, I mean, whatever it is. So until Friday, let's go get the Cubs for three games and um, let me see which Cubs Andy Rodriguez will actually play against on Tuesday. Let's go, Bucks. Thanks for listening to my dad and Uncle Jake on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two October. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. Clear the deck, cannonball coming, and let's go, Bucks!